morning started out like most I can remember as a kid. My mom told me to go outside and play. On this day, we were in Sunset, Utah. I was about four years old at the time. My mom, Pam, and I were living at my grandpa and grandma Berkeley's house while my dad was in Thailand during the Vietnam War in 1974. I did what I always did when my mom told me to go outside. I opened the front door, took two steps out, and plopped down at the edge of the small porch. I looked around the neighborhood, trying to see if other kids I knew had been forced outside and were playing, and decided whether to approach any of them to see if I could join in. My grandparents lived at 1696 North 475 West. Sunset is a very small town and area. It's a little less than one and a half square miles in an area sandwiched between Hill Air Force Base and Clinton on its east and west, and Roy and Clearfield on its north and south. My grandparents' house lie on the western boundary directly across the street from the railroad tracks. Honestly, the trains were so close to the house that you could stand across the street from the front porch, and if you threw a rock with any degree of strength, you would hit the side of a passing train. It's fair to say that the house was anything but quiet. When trains would come by, which happened frequently, the whole house would shake and it would sound like they were passing right through the living room. When we first moved in, I remember more than once thinking there was a good chance a train was going to come crashing through the walls. My grandparents' yard was nice. My grandparents loved to garden and my grandpa was particularly skilled at it. The front yard was well manicured and had a large tree right in the center. The back half of the large backyard, which was accessed through a covered carport on the south side of the house, was a garden filled with corn, beans, potatoes, tomatoes, squash, peas, and watermelon. Grapevines adorned the chain-link fences, and a beautiful cherry tree stood in the middle of the garden. On this particular day when I went outside... I saw a group of about five or six kids standing in front of my neighborhood Charlie's house. Charlie was about my age and a nice kid that I liked to play with. But on that day, Charlie wasn't there and I didn't recognize these kids. I think they were visiting their grandparents down the street, but I couldn't be sure. Some of them had their bikes and they were looking at something and laughing. I was shy and had a hard time approaching others I didn't know. But given the circumstances and because they seemed to be having fun... I slowly walked over to the edge of my grandparents' driveway to see if I could see what they were doing. I surveyed the scene. One of the kids was about my age, but the rest seemed one or two years older. They had been riding their bikes, and they were talking about what they had been doing. They were talking about the fact that one had had a flat tire and that his dad had just changed it. One was holding the inner tube that had been flat, and they were talking about how you could stretch it out like a big rubber band. They took turns putting it around the handlebars of their bike, stretching it back, and then letting it go. If it didn't get tangled up in the bike, it would fly a few feet and then crash to the ground. They started to get better at it and would stretch it further and further, and it would, of course, fly further and further away each time. They each started bragging about how strong they were, depending on how far the tube would go. They noticed me watching, and they walked toward me. They tried it a few more times right by me on the sidewalk in front of my grandparents' driveway. 
Then the oldest one turned to me and said, You look pretty strong. Do you want to try? I was excited to show how strong I was. My parents had always told me that I was strong, so I had no reason to think otherwise. I gladly accepted the offer. He handed me one side of the inner tube, but instead of putting the tube around the bike handlebars, he held on to the other side. He stood with his back to the street and told me to pull the tube away from him toward my grandparents' house. I started pulling. He leaned back and adjusted his feet so he could stand firmly in place as I pulled away from him. I kept pulling and started taking steps backwards toward the house. I was really impressing myself. Seemed like I had taken four or five small steps backward, and the tube was really stretching out. In an effort to concentrate the maximum strength on the pull, I was leaning backwards as I pulled the tube with my hands, leveraging my weight as I dug in my heels and stretched the tube upward with both hands. It felt like I was almost at a 45-degree angle. I clearly remember looking at his face as he struggled against the tube as I tugged backward against it, taking smaller and smaller steps towards the house, leaning more and more backward with every step. Then, I noticed something changed in his eyes. They opened in a sinister way, and I could see a somewhat contradictory, gleeful sparkle in his eyes. And then, without warning, I saw him relax his fingers as he purposely released his grip on the inner tube. Without a moment to react, I felt my body begin to fall backwards Unfortunately, not fast enough to outrun the tube screaming toward my face. In a split second, the full force of the inner tube slapped against my face just above my left cheekbone, directly on my eye socket and forehead. And then, as if to reinforce my extreme stupidity, I fully crashed to the ground, bottom first, with my whip-lashing head striking the driveway shortly thereafter with the force of gravity intensified by the speed generated by my reaction to having just been hit in the eye with the bullet strike of the inner tube. I hurt everywhere. The pain in my head was intense. The impact of my head against the concrete driveway was joined with the stinging pain of the rubber tube that had just blackened my eye. Even worse than the physical pain, though, was the embarrassment I felt as I heard the kids laughing at me as they fled the scene, rejoicing in the great fun they had at my expense. I am Scott Crook, and welcome to my Journey on the Crooked Path, a not-so-regular podcast of biographical stories about my not-so-interesting life. This is episode three of the Hearsay series, entitled, The Sting of the Imprinting. Our most vivid early childhood memories are generally chiseled into our brains by the heavy hammering of physical pain or emotional trauma. As you would expect, then, the memories that bubble up from my early childhood generally share these features, with one or two exceptions. As I've detailed before, I moved a lot when I was little. My first memories are from living in Layton, Utah, when I was only two to three years old. Our family then moved to Biloxi, Mississippi, Tacoma, Washington, and then back to Utah living with my grandparents when my father went to Thailand. I have very few memories of Mississippi. My dad was stationed at Keesler Air Force Base, 
which is located in the middle of Biloxi, Mississippi. Biloxi is located in southern Mississippi on the coast of the Gulf of Mexico. We lived in an upstairs apartment right across the street from the Gulf that looked right out onto the ocean. One of my earliest memories was looking out and seeing these big fish with long pointed noses and what looked like big fins across the top of their bodies jumping out of the water. I remember watching them jump out of the water two or three at a time for a few minutes. The only other memories of Mississippi are, I'm afraid, associated with pain and trauma. I remember being outside the front door of our apartment on what seemed like a pretty small landing area. I vaguely remember that the door from our apartment was directly across the landing area from the door to another apartment. There was a set of metal stairs going down from the side of the landing by our door. On the day I remember, I was out on the landing playing with some matchbox cars. Those small die-cast cars that look like your favorite cars. I loved matchbox and Hot Wheel cars. I used to spend a lot of time playing with them on the floor, making miniature towns that they could drive through. When I was older, I used to make roads in the dirt and create jumps or other obstacles for them. On a small landing in Mississippi, though, all I could really do is push them around and make engine noises. I was having a great time, though. While I was doing that, another boy from the apartment complex joined me. I don't remember where he came from. It seems to me now that he just suddenly appeared. He also, apparently, liked matchbox cars and was interested in playing with them too. I don't remember if he brought his own cars, but I do remember that he was most interested in playing with my cars, not his. I also remember that he was intent on getting his hands on my cars, even the ones I currently had my hands on. Although I was a shy kid and was not interested in causing conflict, I really liked my cars. I remember not wanting to let him take my cars and resisting his efforts to get them. He was obviously much more interested in getting them than I had expected, because the next thing I remember is feeling the kid's grubby hands pushing me backwards as I was crawling around trying to protect my fleet of tiny vehicles. The push sent me off the landing onto the flight of metal stairs, and I cascaded down until I ended up on the next landing about six or seven steps below. It really hurt. My memory fades after my mom opened the door from our apartment and looked around until she finally looked down to see me laying all crumpled up at the bottom of the stairs. I can still see the look on her face as her eyes widened as she saw me at the bottom of the stairs. She immediately ran toward me. And that is the last memory I have of that incident. As I told you in a previous episode, my hatred of having my picture taken probably was born out of my earliest experiences. My fear of dogs, which has largely gone away now, also, I'm sure, derives from what happened on the front stoop of our apartment in Mississippi. For some reason, Pam and I were down on the front stoop of our apartment waiting for my parents. My best guess is that my parents said we were going to go somewhere and had sent us down to wait for them to get into the car. In any event, while Pam and I were waiting, 
I could see two large dogs running along the street that ran some distance from the front of our apartment. The dogs were large, with black snouts on a tan face that had triangular ears protruding from the tops of their heads. Their bodies were mostly tan, with black areas that appeared like a saddle over them. I later came to know them as German Shepherds. Pam and I were watching them when suddenly they noticed us. I'm sure they saw us for what we were, young humans separated from their adults and therefore very vulnerable. They began barking loudly and bolted towards us. I remember looking into their eyes as they barked and as they occasionally bare their teeth as they approached. I was very frightened. I also remember the sickening feeling of danger rising in me and realizing that there was not much that I could do to avoid what was inevitably to follow, an attack from two vicious dogs. I felt helpless and terrified. Just as I thought my fate was sealed to a horrifying death in the mouth of horribly angry dogs, I saw, or perhaps felt is a better word, the presence of a large object approaching from behind me, and I heard something very loud. And then I saw my dad, all six feet two, man of steely resolve and power, run in front of us and yell louder than I had ever heard him yell, something I do not remember. More importantly, he stamped his foot and crouched low to protect us. The dog stopped quickly, jumped back, and ran away. I was still very afraid, but I was also amazed. My dad could move, and he was seemingly unafraid. As I said before, I'm sure I can remember these last two stories because of the pain and the emotional trauma that imprinted them on my brain. But what is funny to me is that as I retell them, the overall feeling I recall is not pain or trauma, but security and warmth and love. You see, the memories end with my mom running to comfort me after I fell, and my dad running to protect me from an attack. I knew I had people who cared about my safety and comfort and who protected me. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the hearsay season of my journeys on the crooked path. Please join me next time as I tell more stories from the haze of my earliest childhood experiences. This is Scott Crook, signing off until our next episode.